All right. You ready to talk about this garbage fire? Yeah. God. All right. Let's, let's get to it. Welcome to Gamers on the Go, a podcast dedicated solely to those games you can take with you. I'm your host, Chase Kennecke. Today's show is on Pokemon Black and White 2, and my guest is Johnny Amazich. Hi, Johnny. Hi, Chase. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's good to have you back. We had you on uh, a handful of episodes ago for for Super Mario 3D Land for the 3DS. very good video game. A very good video game, and now I brought you back on for what I thought was going to be another very good video game, because it's Mm -hmm. Pokemon. We both love Pokemon. I adore Pokemon. It's it's something that we've grown up with. Uh, We've continued to play even into our adult lives. We were very pleased with Pokemon Sword and Shield that came out last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, got very close to our game of the year when we were uh, for our other podcast that we do with our friend uh, Bobby Pease called the Casual he's, Hour. He's more of a... Friend's a strong word, I understand. <laughs> Acquaintance. Uh, yeah, I'll, well I'll give wisher, you that. And then I don't uh, wish him any specific ill will. Acquaintance of the show, Bobby right. Pease. Um yeah, so we're big Pokemon fans here, and chronologically, because I've been doing these, I, I like to try to do a Pokemon episode every maybe 10 episodes or so, uh, or just kind of whenever I feel like. And Pokemon Black and White, I actually did have Bobby on for that episode, uh, which I think was about a year ago now, and, and I remember, I remember liking it, and, and Bobby had a great time with it too. That was on his big Pokemon expedition where he was playing all the Pokemon games yeah. pretty much back to back to back. But for, sh- damn. <laughs> did it take him a month? It, or was it like it, three weeks? I think it was I think it was slower than a month, but he did burn through pretty much everything. It yeah. was it, it was, was an impressive. impressive feat. We did have him kind of skip around a little bit. Like we had him do fire red and, and then Soul we had Silver. him do like Soul Silver. So mm-hmm. he, he skipped a couple of generations with that, even though he kinda got the story. But we did uh he he, he went out and he did it, which was pretty impressive. Um, so I thought this was going to be a fun show where we got to talk about Pokemon in Black and White 2, which I, uh, had falsely remembered, I suppose, yeah. being so good I was, games. I was interested to talk to you about that, and I'm, I'm sure yeah. we'll get into it, just because I never played this one. I played okay. Black and White 1, um, but I skipped 2 for whatever mm-hmm. reason, so... Well, this I can tell you the me. reason you did. It's because there was a new system out. It was called the 3DS. Right. <laughs> um, when I remember when Bobby and I were talking about Pokemon Black and White, the original ones, they came out relatively. They came out really late in the DS life in the it life cycle. Been fall 2011, uh, right? I think that's right. And then the DS came out. Uh, or the 3DS came out uh, in March of 2011. Uh, so like, so it, black and white. Version one came out in Japan in 2010, and then it came right. out March 2011 in the states. Yeah, so like really soon, like really close to when the 3DS was coming out. Yeah. The now the 3DS 3- also didn't have the greatest launch. We know about that. 
Um, so I, I think that one was fine. But this game, uh, it released in in Japan. It released uh, June twenty third, twenty twelve, and then here in the states, it was October seventh, twenty twelve. Uh, that's after the three DS yeah, is out. So the and I I completely my my timeline in my head didn't realize this, but the three DS launched three weeks after Pokemon White and Black. Mm-hmm. So really, well, Johnny, you have to remember uh, the 3DS yeah. was really the third pillar of of Nintendo's console right. strategy. The Game Boy Advance, uh, <laughs> the Nintendo yes. 3DS, <laughs> right? Yes, <laughs> N- Nintendo never gives up on a console until the public tells them, "No, no, no, we're actually done with it now." Um, <laughs> it's it's hilarious how they try to keep some of these things alive, like the DS and the 3DS, or even the 3DS on the Switch. And it's like, come on, guys, it's Go go whole ass into one thing. Yeah. What do you stop half assing these things? Um, but yeah, at this time, 2012. We'll we'll talk more about some of the other games that came out in 2012 to kind of compare this to. But this was the era of the 3DS starting to get good. Uh, the, the they were starting to find their footing. I think it was actually the next year where some of the big heavy hitters like Fire, Fire Emblem, Emblem and Animal right. Crossing came out. Um, so, so we had big titles on the horizon, and then the 3DS library was getting better. So to go back to a DS game, even though it works on the 3DS, uh, probably wasn't on people's high priority list, which is why I think yeah. a lot of people aren't familiar, aren't as familiar with Black and White 2 as they are with a lot of other Pokemon games. <sighs> but these games aren't good. <laughs> these games no. just aren't good, Johnny. I So you are a better man than I am and you finished this game. I, I don't put, know if that makes me better. <laughs> so I put seven hours in and it felt like 70. It, yeah. It, it, and I didn't even like, I say that I only got two badges and a li- I did a little bit after the second uh, gym battle. And it just felt like a fucking slog the whole time. I wasn't having fun. Um, I didn't like any of the starter Pokemon. Right. Which I, we talked about, uh, you know, outside of this podcast. Um, and yeah, it just it just kind of bummed me out after the high. Like, and Sword and Shield have their problems, but overall, I really enjoyed my time with those games. And totally. Uh, you know the the quality of life stuff, like having XP share, even if it was a little too generous. Uh, you know, for your entire party, basically out of the gate. I really like that. Um, I'm, you know, I, I had to do more grinding in this one than I care to do in any game ever. You're you're right, but so I had I had kind of this issue too. Going back to something like Pokemon Black and White Two, we do have. A lot of modern conveniences that that just feel better in more in more modern Pokemon games. Sure, uh, quality of life stuff that that is really helpful. At the same time, I don't think you or I would really have much of a problem going back to Red and Blue right now. No, and to counter my own point, yeah, I put a considerable amount of time into Pokemon Fire Red last year and enjoyed every minute of it. A fantastic game, yeah, May, maybe the best Pokemon game ever, in my opinion. I, you know, I would not disagree with that 
And while that game does have an experience share, it's only one. You, it's a held item that you give to a Pokemon. It's it's not something that shares your experience to your whole team. You don't get experience for catching a Pokemon. Um, you can't run automatically. Uh, it it's like there's there's so many things that that sure. more modern Pokemon games have uh, quote unquote fixed or or made easier that these old ones haven't done or don't have but those games still are fun to me uh even even last year when i went back and played black and white for this podcast i did with bobby i had a good time with that game and i couldn't really put my finger on why i was having such a bad time as i went through that's something that really bothered me was not being able to pinpoint exactly why it was i wasn't having a good time and it could be I just played a bunch of Pokemon already, not that long ago. Maybe I wasn't ready for another Pokemon game. Um, I just built a shiny new gaming PC, and I have lots <laughs> of games on there I wanted to be sure. playing. Um, but you know, I don't have. A, I don't usually have a problem sitting down on my couch, pulling my Switch or even my 3DS sometimes, and you know, just playing an old game. Um, well, I do. I do have some theories on on why, and we'll get into that in the course of the show, um, because there are some things I think this Pokemon game does that that just aren't aren't that great yeah. in comparison to other Pokemon games, and and we'll talk about those things. And but let's um, what's just up? really quickly. I have to make a yeah. really I have to make a really bad joke that has been oh great sitting in my uh, you know you mentioned rem- like remembering liking this game. And I guess the lesson here is you can never go Pokemon home. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Gamers on the Go. Um, this is Johnny Amazich's last show. Um, but hey, I, I forewarned you that it was a, not a good joke. You did. You did. Um, all right. And I chose well, we'll to try tell to it move, anyway because that's we'll just... Try to, we will attempt to move on from that. Uh, let's <laughs> let's talk about what's new and different here in Pokemon Black and White 2. Because there actually is a lot of new stuff, despite these being maybe the most recycled Pokemon games of the bunch. Because they do take place on more or less the same landmass. This is Unova, which is the, the kind of stand-in for the United States. Uh, this is the... So Black and White were the first uh, games to have a region that went outside of. Maybe that's why I hate it so much. <laughs> Again, though, Black and White also mm. had this landmass, and Black and White are fun. Yeah. Uh, so it's and it's not that. You know, uh, <laughs> Ultra Sun and Moon, arguably. You're right. Yeah. Those really enjoyed. My, I I played a bunch of Sun, and then I played all the way through Ultra Sun, and I had a better time with that game than yep. I did with this one. Those games are also very, very similar. And and I think probably what happened is is a similar thing. I remember when Nintendo was discussing uh, why Ultra Sun and Moon came out for the 3DS instead of getting uh, a, a Pokemon Star or mm-hmm. whatever we were calling it, uh, having that third Pokemon game come out to the Switch, or why they were even making more 3ds games they should just be putting all their resources into the switch into whatever the new switch one would be when you've got 70 million people sure it's a it's a huge install base and i'm sure that's another reason why black and white 2 got made but nintendo also had mentioned nintendo and the pokemon company and game freak also had discussed how 
this was kind of a learning opportunity for their younger designers. They for for Ultra Sun and Moon, they already had a lot of those assets made. They weren't making a bunch of new crazy Pokemon. They weren't having to build a full new landmass. They didn't have to worry too much about crazy new mechanics. All that stuff was figured out, so they could really hone in on whatever they wanted to do with that. Like they could they could teach their new designers how to make a Pokemon game by kind of building building and rebuilding what had already been made. And I imagine the same thing is true here because you had your A team working on uh, at for for this it would have been the the 3DS games X and, X and y. y. Yeah. Mhm. As as in for the Switch you had people working on Sword and Shield. So this was probably just another way if I had to guess to get more of your young designers used to how a Pokemon game gets made so then they can bring their skills in for the next generation of Pokemon. I, I have a feeling that's probably what happened here. Anyway, so we're on the same landmass of Unova. There are some new areas here, uh, especially the starting area, which we'll talk about. Um, a lot of the the TMs and all but one of the HMs are, are kind of in totally different locations at this point. Um, so if you do remember black and white super well, that doesn't necessarily always help you in this case. Um, there are uh, move tutors are back and and they kind of serve the same kind of function they did in Pokemon Platinum, uh, where they teach you a lot of the moves. Uh, they, they can teach you a lot of different style moves that aren't in TMs um, and also uh, Black and White were the first games to have the TMs that uh, were unlimited use, and Black and White 2 continues that trend, so that's nice. But even even so, you had these other moves that you could get that were somewhat limited in that you needed to have these shards to be able to trade in to get those kinds of moves. And there were th- I think there were three different color shards. There's red, blue, and yellow. And each of those shards kind of corresponds to a different move tutor, and they'll teach you different moves depending on the number of those color of shards that you have. Hmm. Um, so that's that's cool. Like they can teach you. Uh, there were some TMs that uh, actually kind of got downgraded to these move tutor things, and new new moves got into the TMs. So uh, moves like Dark Pulse or Roost or Stealth Rock are now moves that you have to learn from a move tutor instead of from a TM. Um, there is a, a really cool effect, uh, a, a, maybe really cool is a little bit strong, but there is a nice quality of life feature. Uh, this was the first Pokemon game where if you used a repel and it ran out, it would just prompt you to say, do you want to use another one? If you had one in your oh. inventory, which is very nice. That's what a great nice quality, quality of life, life improvement. Thing. That's amazing. It's one of the best Pokemon games ever, right, Johnny? Yeah. <laughs> with, with a mechanic like that. Revolutionize the series. <laughs> Um, There are some uh, re-challengeable trainers. Uh, There are the specific trainer type called Pokemon Breeders who can challenge the player again and again and again every time you cross their line of sight. So that's a great way to earn extra money or to get really good experience because you get extra experience from, from battling trainer Pokemon instead of wild Pokemon. So that's kind of cool. Uh, they had hidden grottos in this game. They, they very briefly tutorialized it at one point. They have you go into one, but they're they're pretty hidden. It's a uh, it's a feature that we've Is kind that of like seen a lost them do in Destiny. <laughs> sure, yeah, something <laughs> like that. 
Um, we've we've seen hidden grottos in different forms. Uh, like Ruby and Sapphire had the kind of clubhouses that you could do that were in those hidden hidden areas. But these these actually feel a little bit more like headbutting a tree or putting the the honey mm. on a tree or something to to get some of those exclusive pokemon anyway there are these kind of hidden grottos that you can just kind of find you'll you'll see that the pixels are a little bit different between these two trees as opposed to all the different other trees that they have and if you find that spot you can go in and there's a chance to find an item or a pokemon and those pokemon can have um have like some of their rarer hidden abilities which is kind of nice if you're hunting for a specific kind of pokemon with, or with that ability um i i didn't i didn't use them too much on my playthrough they, they didn't they weren't all that necessary for me and i couldn't find them most of them I'm, I'm sure if i looked online i could figure out where they all were but they are truly hidden i only found a couple in my in my entire playthrough um Another really good quality of life improvement is that you can now move hold items, move held items, however you want to say that, uh, between your Pokemon just in the menu, which is something I ended up doing a lot. And I think the first time I did it, I went, wait, is this something I could have always done? And and apparently no, this is this is the first Pokemon game. No, no, no. You just you, you a Pokemon has a held item like an experience share. And I go, well, I don't want him to have an experience share. And I remember in previous Pokemon games, you'd have to give them another item. Yeah, yeah. take away an item or try to give them another item. And then it goes back to your bag. And then you'd have to do that. But now you can just say, I want you to move your item to this Pokemon. And now now he has it. And you can have them trade their items like that. So it is... It, it's not a huge quality of life feature, but it's a it's a nice it's thing. Yeah, it's something. It's it's a slight improvement, which is uh, kind of what this game is. It's very slight improvements on things that will help for later generations of Pokemon and do not make this game any better. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then one of their new mechanics here are medals. Did you did you see, meet the Metal Man? I did. Every time I went to a Pokemon Center, it felt like I talked to someone and like, hey, you get a happy medal yeah. or that, that something. Guy but in the white suit who... I, I don't feel like they ever explained what they do, or if they did, I wasn't paying attention. They don't really do anything. They, uh, there, there's no real benefit to they them. They didn't they, say why, like, what each one signified. It was... I, I think there's a... I don't know if it's him. Maybe there's another person who will explain what your medals are or what they do. Okay. That's possible. But really, it's it's an in-game achievement system. But it's not worth anything. It's not like the mini medals in Dragon Quest where eventually exactly. you that, find that's someone. That's exactly where I'm, where I'm thinking. Like, you okay. have those. They, they take. It's You have to, to hunt for those and find them in the world. And then you actually get something after having so many of them. Or even in uh, the Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening, when you get those seashells and you find them in the world, they build up eventually to some really helpful, useful items. Uh, these medals don't do anything. It's hey, you beat somebody with a super effective move. It's, it's like just, yeah, because I played. It's just a collectible. <laughs> it's it's barely even that. But it's I, not even because yeah. it's not like you're walking around the world picking these up. It's just you talk to some dude right. in the Pokemon you, Center and he he gives it to you. 
exactly. And often he has to. Also, who often is a strange probably... man just doling out medals <laughs> to the young children of this region? Well, and often you've you've accidentally earned a ton of medals between each Pokemon mm-hmm. Center visit. So when you get there, he goes, "Oh, well, here I got this medal for you, and I also have this medal for you, and I also have this medal for oh, you." Oh, and I have some I... candy out in my van. Would you like to have some? <laughs> I just ignored him at at a certain point. I was like, I. I don't get anything out of this. It's not like once I hit 50 medals, you're going to give me a Master Ball or something. There's no it's reason to keep talking to him. Some arbitrary thing. Right. Maybe in the moment, maybe when this game came out and if we're kids and we're, uh, you know, at, at lunchtime and we we open our 3DSs or open our, well, yeah, we'll open our 3DSs and play our DS game. Uh, um, and we go, well, ooh, which medals do you have? Maybe... But but on a quick playthrough like this, so. when I'm just trying to remind myself of this game, uh, they really just held no purpose and 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 were really just a time sink, if anything. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about story stuff. So you you no longer start in Nuvema Town, which was the starting uh, town of Black and White, but now you are in uh, Aspersia, Aspersia City. Um, which is interesting. This is the first Pokemon game where you actually start in a city that has a Pokemon center and a gym yeah, instead, of, opposed, instead of a tiny little town. That threw me for a loop a little bit. It's very weird. It's it, it's kind of cool. It's, oh, you're really changing the Pokemon formula up, and then it's absolutely not. It's but, not. <laughs> <laughs> because, in, in, in fact, what they make you do is that, that Pokemon red and blue or honestly to the length that's probably more like the gold and silver one where they're like hey i need you to go on an errand for me where you have to go two towns Mm -hmm. over pick something up and come two towns back and uh it it takes a bunch of time but it it was kind of nostalgic for me of oh yeah i remember when you made me do this in previous pokemon games and and there's a method to this madness Um, but i like that there's this new extra little island that that really kind of just serves as a tutorial for the game, even though I don't think it's as good of a tutorial as the original Black and White had. Uh, do you remember kind of how that worked? It was the first gym. No, it's been so long since I played those games. Okay, well, the in the first gym in in um, Pokemon Black and White were those three brothers uh, who like ran a restaurant. And okay. each of them had a different one of the uh, of the pan Pokemon, mm-hmm. Pan Sage, Pan Poor, Pan Flame, Seer, <laughs> Pan Seer. Thank you. <laughs> um, and they would teach you about type advantage because you know they had. I think they would choose whichever you, whichever starter you picked. They would choose the one that you were weak to, and you could go through a kind of side event where you could get your own pan Pokemon that was uh, strong against whichever one they had. So then that was kind of your way of learning about type advantages if you hadn't played a Pokemon game before. And I thought it was super cool. Like, what a what a great way to teach you. Yeah, it's a novel uh, way to do Yeah, a, a very core part of, of Pokemon. That That's pretty cool. Um, in this, the first gym is normal type. Yep. Which teaches you nothing. Nope. <laughs> it teaches you jack shit. <laughs> It, it taught me to try and find a Riolu for an hour right. or so. Yeah. Because, yes. hey, 
normal <laughs> or weak to fighting type moves. Right, but, but even then, Riolu, I don't think learns a fighting type move for he a, has for a bit. Yeah, that that barely counts as a fighting Which type move I, at I this didn't point. Use. Yeah, I used faint. Smart, smart, good call. Um, but they do use this as uh, as a um, an opportunity to show you how the time skip has worked here. You are on the same landmass, but I believe it's five two years. years later. Two, two years later. Yeah. Uh, so it's two years later. I. I don't know what happened to your character in black and white. They they don't show up anywhere. But Sheeran... Oh, I thought that he gave you the legendary Pokemon at the end. Does he? Because that's, uh, that's after the Elite Four, so I didn't Because you, you, didn't you don't catch them yourself because they've already been caught two You're years right. ago. You're right. And so, I, I honestly don't remember how that sequence goes. Uh, yeah. It, that's so, possible. I... Uh, I read the synopsis of the story earlier. And okay. It says, much later, In fights the hero once more at the ruined Team Plasma Castle from long ago. After the battle, he gives the hero his Zekrom slash Rashiram. Zin Zolan will appear, also appear at Undela Bay and give research on the abyssal ruins. So. Okay, but In, In's the antagonist from the first game, so that's not the hero. Oh, okay. So that's not, that's not your character from the first game. So I guess they just fucked right off with their legendary dragon and said, I don't need this shit anymore. <laughs> um, but your rival from black and white, Sheeran, who was you know crazed about wanting to become the champion and wanting to be the strongest trainer ever, uh, he's now the first gym leader. So he's, he's the one with that normal type gym. It's kind of cool to see, like, hey, I, I know that guy. And now he's super chilled out and, and understands where he went wrong in the first game. Um, and then also before that, you've met Bianca, who was another girl in the in the town that you started with in black and white, and she just wanted to go on an adventure. She didn't really want to battle Pokemon. She just liked having them as friends and wanted to learn more about them, and now she has the perfect job. She's the professor's assistant, and now she doesn't have to battle, but she can give you your first Pokemon and, and travel the world and teach you things. And Yay! So it's it's... It's nice. It's nice to see those characters and to to have, you know, it, it kind of gives you that gold and silver treatment of, you know, what happened to Gary Oak or Red or whatever you're calling him at this point. Um, you know, where, what happened to Cinnabar Island? Oh, it's so different now. It's, it's crazy. The volcano went off and now it's, uh, and now it's all covered. That, that's kind of what I wanted from this. I wanted to see how everything changed, mm -hmm. but a couple of problems. One, I don't remember black and white all that well because I don't know. I think it's relatively forgettable. I think there's some a couple cool um, moments in it. And that's saying something that I considering you played it like a year ago. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I remember very few things about black and white. I remember um, like the, the most vivid memory is, I, I can't even remember the town, but it's the one that the electric gym leader's there and it's the amusement park area and you are you go into the ferris wheel within and at this point you don't know that he's the bad guy but he reveals that he's actually the leader of team plasma and has this kind of grand speech to you and that that part's really cool it's a cutscene. it's got a it's got a really neat look to it that's very different from the rest of the game uh so i remember that part 
I remember the Elite Four cutscene where you kind of see the whole Elite Four castle thing emerge and how Team Plasma kind of takes it over. I remember the gym leaders all coming together to to stop Team Plasma in the end. Uh, but for story stuff, I just don't remember a ton of these things and a ton of these characters. So when so when it it has a a new gym leader or the gym leader has a new look like the that gym that i was talking about the electric gym in that one city uh that the name i forget um like she's a she's a fashion model and the first time it's kind of like a a roller coaster area that she's just at the end for and you fight her and she's got blonde hair or whatever and now she's got black hair with a gold jacket and now she's uh, in a, uh, she's moved the gym slightly over from the last gym, and now it's a runway. So mm. it it's cool, but it's something I didn't remember at the time. That oh yeah, you look different than how you used to look. Because to me, it was just sure you're another gym leader. <laughs> I, I guess you were probably the gym leader here before. I don't remember. Eh. <laughs> That could also that could also just be me or us or our generation of you know these weren't our first Pokemon games. We we remember all eight of those original gym leaders because mm-hmm. they were they the were ones. our gym leaders. Yeah. But as as Pokemon games go on, I I can remember some of the Gold and Silver gym leaders. I can remember probably even fewer of the Ruby and Sapphire ones. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. It's. You know, I think it's probably it's probably that thing that people say about James Bonds, or that people say about Mario Kart's. Whichever one's your first is the is not necessarily your favorite, but it's the one you remember the most for sure. It has that real impactful moment for you. Like Pierce Pierce Brosnan is my Bond. He's not he's not the best Bond. <laughs> he absolutely is not the best Bond, he's but he's mine. mine. But he's mine forever. Uh Anyway, so yeah, it's two years. It's two years afterwards. So you beat Team Plasma before in black and white. Uh, in learned that he was being manipulated by Getsus. Uh, he had captured one of the the legendary dragons. Depending on which version you had, you got the other one and and made this big battle. Um, and then Team Plasma disbanded. And I think but there was a post game. Really? Well, there was a post game where you were rounding up these sages. The I think there were seven sages, or maybe that's just Zelda. There, there are sages. They are called sages. I don't know how many of them there are. Um, but you were you were running around the post game looking for these sages and capturing them, and well, not like Pokemon, you were actually arresting them. But oh, um, but you uh, you never found Getsus, the the whole the big leader. And he just disappears. So he's back now in in Black and White 2. And he's kind of restarted Plasma. And now there's kind of two Team Plasmas out there. There's a Team Plasma that is loyal to In, who realizes what they've done was wrong. And they're trying to make amends and atone for the the bad shit they did in, in Black and White. And then there are the Getsis Loyalists. And those guys are still hell-bent on the world domination. But this time, they're not... They don't have the the interesting... Um, the interesting premise that Team Plasma had in black and white. Because that was... You got to the first town, and 
uh, Inn is talking about how people, eh, I don't think it's Inn, I think it's somebody else, but there's like some Team Plasma spokesperson who's saying, you know, Pokemon aren't meant to be captured. They aren't meant to be held in Pokeballs. You're enslaving yeah, these Pokemon and I Pokemon should that. be free. And and it was interesting. It was a really cool premise of, yeah, you know, maybe maybe you're right. Like, we shouldn't be... Maybe we're the monsters. Maybe we are the monsters. And and then it turns out they just give them a pass and go, yeah, we just wanted you to let go of your Pokemon so we can have all the Pokemon and then we can dominate the world. So, they're... Um, so the morals kind of get thrown out the window. But at this point, they they aren't even... There's no facade there. It is just, hey, give we're evil. Give us your Pokemon. Yeah, we're evil, we're trying to take over the world, and, and fuck you. Which I think makes this game much less interesting yeah. uh, from a premise standpoint. And sure. In shows up eventually, like you mentioned, he, he shows up with his legendary dragon uh, at one point in the story to try to stop Getsus' plan. Um, but the real thing with this game is there's a third legendary dragon named Kurim. I think that's how you pronounce it. That's the ice dragon. And Curum has these DNA splicers that you can use to fuse Curum with one of the legendary dragons. So when In comes to step in and stop Getsus, that was actually Getsus's plan all along, and now he fuses the Pokemon, and, and now he has uh, either black Curum or, or black or, or white Curum, depending on which uh, which dragon gets uh gets tossed in there and then you stop him and they unfuse and then they're really disbanded that's <laughs> that's that's the game that's that's the story more or less uh i i just don't think it's a very interesting story it's it's cool to go back to some of these towns and for the slight things that i remember uh like oh hey the the poison gym the the father has now given it to his daughter and the daughter's the one running the running the show now um this area that was called cold storage before is now a whole new area uh that's the uh i think that's where the pokemon world tournament is that's a new gimmick thing like the battle tower things uh, that they've had in pokemon games in the past um and pokemon games of of the future slash present um but yeah it's just it's just filled with a lot of gimmicky stuff did you ever get to um a place where they talk about join avenue i think is what it's called no okay that might be a little bit further than where you are it's it's relatively early in the game but it's just kind of this new area that you're supposed to just kind of keep building up uh it's not really a i'm trying to figure out a good way to explain it it's not it's not like it's not like a hub area where you are physically building stuff. Are you collecting stuff and bringing it back, or no? I, is it I, is it like that village in Breath of the Wild that you can build up? <laughs> no, not exactly. I don't. I don't think you're physically building things, but it's it's just an area that eventually gets these extra shops depending on things that you do. And huh. and then okay. you can buy more exclusive items or, or do some other things there. Uh, but they they take you through a tutorial of here's what Join Avenue is all about. And you have to go through that. There's a if you've did you ever mess with Pokemon contests in Ruby and Sapphire? No. Yeah. Neither you know, did I. I. I never played Ruby and Sapphire. 
I skipped those are over my, those. Those are some of my least favorite games outside I, of Black and I White never, 2. I missed out on having a GBA for a long time. Mm. Um, and there was a period in my life where I thought I was too cool for Pokemon. Um, and uh, yeah, I never, I never experienced those games. I've played some of uh, Alpha, Alpha Sapphire. Yeah. The, I, th- I thought the remakes were really well done. Yeah. I, I like those games a lot more than the original Ruby and Sapphire. Um, but Ruby and Sapphire added this idea of contests where all of your moves... It, it was similar to Pokemon Battles, but mm-hmm. your your moves were no longer fire, water, normal. They were cool or beautiful or these other kinds of okay. things. And you were, yeah. you were trying to... Um, you were trying to show off for judges, and then you get uh, a score from a judge uh, after your performance, and then that's how you, you I, base who who won the contest. I believe I have done one of those in the games before. Yeah, sure, that, that I'm sounds, sure you have. They they've had familiar. A, it's it's that Pokemon gimmick thing that's not about battling that they yeah. they seem to try to shoehorn into every Pokemon game since Ruby and Sapphire. And is it like the island thing in Pokemon Sun and Moon, where you, you you send them to the islands and they can go looking for treasures and stuff, or kind of this was a using, little bit more active using the than that though to, to pet them and clean them after battle. Closer, but but this is again like more of an active thing. It it's more like here's here's a way to play Pokemon without having to do battles. Although you still had to do battles to get them these moves in the first place or to uh, get them to a point where they could be, even be in these contests. So it always was kind of flawed for for a character like Bianca from Black and White who doesn't want to battle at all. Like you think that they'd want to become good at contests. I think actually there's even in the in the Pokemon anime, there are there's a character who. Uh, at one point is like, oh, I'm all about Pokemon contests. I don't really care about battles. That's not what I'm here for. I, I'm i here to compete in the contests. And so it's just this kind of flawed system, and they've had contests in different games, or they've had these other things. In this game, it's Pokestar Studios. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You went through that tutorial. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a long and very early tutorial. That was pointless yes <laughs> it was pointless you're right and it, hey you want to be in a movie okay uh we're gonna put you in this weird pretend battle situation and you'll do one move and then your pokemon will get knocked out and then oh hey the movie's done oh yep. it was such a hit like it, what yeah, yeah. It's it's very lame. It's it's a weird it's a weird thing, but that that is their way. That that is what they thought was of like that's how that's how a thing that you can do that's not battling, which is is something that Game Freak is still continuing to try, and God love them, they're never fun. Then and this just one... make a different game. <laughs> sure, make like Pokemon I, Mystery I... Dungeon. I would all I would be all for a, a Pokemon game that was based more on breeding. Like this is here's Pokemon, here's Pokemon Ranger. Sure, yeah, well, I don't like the Ranger games either. Uh, 
Um, rancher. Pokemon rancher. 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 Sure. Yes. Like a like a monster rancher. Po- yes. A pocket monster rancher is what yes. you're looking for. Um, so yeah, Pokestar Studios is still not fun. Uh, the one kind of interesting thing is that if I think your Pokemon can become a star if you there's there's some kind of status where your Pokemon can be a star and then they get like an extra animation or some extra like sparkle stuff when God. you uh, when you put when you throw them out into battle. Um, kind of like the way there's that sparkle with your shinies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's supposed to be like an extra animation that's like, oh, this Pokemon is a movie star. Oh, which uh, I I don't think transfers <laughs> into any other. Pokemon I was just game. gonna ask if I move this from my my Pokemon from White Two to the bank to home. Yeah, I don't think they've kept supporting that feature. Damn it! <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Uh, but there is, uh, so I did mention there is a different attraction called the Pokemon World Tournament that's in a different city. It's uh, Driftvale City. And this one is actually kind of cool. It is similar to a battle tower that they've had in the past, but you you face a lot of older gym leaders and champions from the regions that came before Unova. That's cool. And that's a really cool idea. It's like, oh hey, Brock is here and he he wants to, you know, battle the best of the best here. He wants to um, take you out on a date. Yeah. Well, depending on which gender character you you choose, I imagine. Uh but yes, it's so that's a cool cool feature to to bring in a lot of nostalgia uh, for for those older gym leaders and champions, pretty cool. Um, and then like one other little piece of trivia here. This is the last Pokemon game to have that staggered release. We mentioned that in Japan it was June twenty third, twenty twelve, and October seventh for for us here in the and U.S. Day and date worldwide. Yep, worldwide releases everywhere uh, for for Pokemon games X and Y and on. So. That's kind of what's new and different in this game. Um, let's let's go back a little bit. You did mention the starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've both bitched about these. These we are. Did. I, I just think these are the worst starters I in don't like any history. Of them. I really don't. I I end up choosing Tepig every time. So, so did I. Because I, I think Tepig's the least offensive of them, but. They, I just don't think their designs are very good. No, uh, I don't think they have very good move pools, especially not uh, Snivy, the Snivy Superior line. He learns nothing good. I think his best grass move is is uh, Giga Drain, which isn't even really that good of a grass move, and he he can learn so few TMs that I remember in my uh, whatever playthrough I actually had a Snivy in. I, I ended up just leaving cut on him because that was one of the best oh, moves. That was one of the most God. useful moves I could give him because nothing else was all that what useful. What a slap in the face. It's terrible. Like, that's that's a starter Pokemon, man. It's Yeah, you don't awful. make your starter an HM slave. Exactly. It's ridiculous. That's when you uh, know that you failed. <laughs> it's it's very sad. Nobody should pick Snivy. It's a, it's a very disappointing Pokemon. M- Embor is... All right, he at least learns cool moves. Um, and then Samurott, I just think looks fucking awful, but I guess learns a somewhat decent set of moves. Uh, they're just they're just not very good. 
another thing that happens is so black and white introduced this kind of reboot idea that yeah you were limited to the pokemon you could catch until after until you reach post game right like correct the yeah. pokedex poke pokedex pokedex did not open up to you until you got to that point so yeah so you could only play with these new 156 Pokemon for Black Which I and like. White. I like that idea. I think that's a great idea. I think it was super cool. I, I enjoyed... Uh, that was one of the things I really liked about the original Black and White, of I'm going through this the first time, and I am i can't just rely on Pikachu. Yeah. I can't it, just rely on so my old favorites. so easy to fall back on your old favorites totally. every time um, without taking the time to learn you know, what, what these new ones are like and see how they evolve and what moves do they learn. And um, Yeah, I... I think that's a neat idea. I wish that they would have stuck with that in future Pokemon games. Yeah. Well, and they, they didn't even s- stick with it for Black and White 2. No, they just, pretty just, much immediately rolled that yeah, back. Yeah. I guess were people really mad about that? Uh, I think they got some flack for it. Yeah. I think a lot of people missed having having the Pokemon no what that they, they grew do, up with. They're going to get flack. Yeah. I yeah, guess, you're, you're I guess not the wrong lesson about that. here is um, they just won't give them to you at all <laughs> in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Good job, Internet. You, you did get. this. <laughs> it's like the Joker said, you get what you deserve. <sighs> yes, the Joker. <laughs> we live in a society, James. <laughs> damn it. Uh, yeah, so you can uh, you can get older pokemon now which is great don't you love getting a sunkern super early one of the shit ass pokemon <laughs> of all time like isn't that great johnny yeah it, it makes me so happy it fills my heart with joy now you did mention you can get there there's a farm area that has a a few pretty useful pokemon uh, near the beginning mm-hmm. it has riolu it has a mareep if you want something with electricity I caught a mareep um an azuril if you if you want to get something that has some I water one of those. To it. so that's kind of cool it, it's nice that they have uh at least a lot of different types you can get a ton of different types even before the first gym which is uh, a good change of pace compared to other pokemon games where like oh i have a normal type i've got a normal and flying type <laughs> Uh, I've got a bug, and then I've got my starter. Like those, I'm thinking back to red and blue, obviously, mm-hmm. for for that kind of stuff. But uh, if you get lucky, you get a Pikachu that is also useless because you're going up against the rock well, gym where everything. I mean, you just got to get p- past that first gym, and then then your Pikachu is useful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, or you just pick Bulbasaur, and they're both easy. And then you'll have better Pokemon when it comes or time. You're sure. like me, and you pick Charmander. Just challenge yourself a little bit. Yeah, because you like having a bad time. No, you're yeah. right. I, I picked Charmander too, and it was a bad, bad time for a long time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now I just want to talk about Fire Red because that, that game. Yeah, you want to go back and play those games? Those are good games. Yeah. We should do those instead of talking about this. Um, <laughs> so it is a little handholdy at the beginning of Black and White. They they force you to to go through some scripted scenes. They do give you the running shoes pretty early though, which is nice. Yeah, almost um, immediately. And, and like I said, I do like that little side island structure that, that gives you a bit of a tutorial. You're kind of cordoned off in this area before they toss you right back into the world of black and white. Uh, it's The time skip stuff is interesting, even though I don't think it's that well executed here. You do get to explore the world of Unova from a different uh, order 
than you did in the original black and white, which is kind of cool if you remember uh, the route that you took in black and white, which I did not quite remember. Um, it is it is neat that you're seeing different cities in a different order now, and, and there's uh, places that you had gone before are now blocked off because there was a rock slide or whatever, uh, and other places have now gotten new bridges or, or new pathways yeah, so to get you to different places. Seeing how the world has changed. Yeah, and that stuff is usually pretty cool. Uh, but here, uh, again, I think your mileage ends up varying based on how much you remember from the original black and white. And uh, if you just don't remember all that much, it just kind of washes over you that, yeah, I'm just going to a different town, whatever. It's, it's fine. Um, one of the things I did for this, because I, I've been trying to kind of change up the way I play these games uh, when I go back and, and play them for these podcasts, because I've I've played these Pokemon games many many times, mm-hmm. except I guess for this one. Uh, now we know I might, why. I might remember how how bad of a game it was if I had played it more than once. Um, but this time I decided to do not exactly a Nuzlocke run. I, I don't really care for the the extra challenge of a Nuzlocke when I'm just trying to get through a game like this to do a podcast. But I at least liked the rule of only catching one Pokemon per route and, and catching the first Pokemon you see per route. And then you're just kind of locked into using those Pokemon. So I did that. And, uh, and it was, it was you interesting. Lucky. I, I did. I felt like I did get pretty lucky with a lot of my, with a lot of my catches. I, I did put in some extra rules. Uh, I couldn't catch duplicate Pokemon because I, I just didn't want to have a team filled with Patterat. Yeah, exactly. That would really <laughs> suck. Um, which which helped out because there are some routes where there's just a bunch of common Pokemon that I already had, and then there was like a really rare thing, so I could kind of wait out until I got to the rare one. Um, but for the most part, I feel like I got a, a pretty interesting team, and then I was able to even cheese it a little bit more um, because in this game there are patches of dark grass where you can get into double battles, wild double battles. And when that's the case, I could catch either I could catch either Pokemon in there. Sometimes they were the same Pokemon, which is a bummer, but other times I kind of got my choice. And one of the early choices that I had to make, which was probably one of the coolest, most interesting choices I had to make in the whole whole game was uh it's it's south of the Poison Gym. And uh, you're in you're in this area with uh, some electrical workers, and there's some dark grass that you can get to. And I found a Magnemite and a Magby in the same battle, in the same double battle. And I had to choose, and I really wanted Magby. I still had picked Tepig as my starter, but I also decided not to use my starter in this run because that felt like it was too easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I hate those starters. <laughs> I'd rather play with something else. Um, so my first thought was like, oh, it's it's hard to find fire Pokemon. This Magby would probably really come in handy. Uh, also, I just really like uh, Magby and Magmar. And do you have to trade to get Magmortar, or do you just give him the Magmorizer? I don't remember how he works. I don't remember exactly. either. I can look uh, it up. It's not that big of a deal, but sure, if you want to, if you want to, as I continue talking. Um, but I ended up deciding that. 
since I was fighting the Poison Gym next, having a Steel Pokemon like Magnemite that was immune to any poison attacks would probably be the play. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting that that Magnemite, and he totally kicked ass. <laughs> and he I was know. one of my MVPs throughout the entire too, game. And he was I he was the only one I used in that gym in that city. <laughs> yeah, it's it was almost too easy. Uh, it was great. He did he did level out. Uh, later in the game, he doesn't learn very good electric moves for a long, a long, long time. Uh, Electro Ball ends up being his best move for a bit, and it's not a very good electric attack. And you don't get Thunderbolt, the the TM for Thunderbolt, until Victory Road. So oh, fuck you if you want to have a, a good electric type Pokemon for a while. That's lame. Uh, he did. Um, he did eventually learn discharge, but that took like fifty levels, which is way too far. Into that's that a game. lot. Um, and uh, yeah, so Magmar has to be holding a Magmarizer when you trade it. Okay, so it is a trade. So I wouldn't have been mm-hmm. able to do it anyway because I didn't nope. have somebody to trade with. So I guess I made the right decision with uh, with that because I was able to get Magnazone, and I I had to look up. I did have to look that one up. Because you can you can only evolve Magnemite into Magnazone in mm-hmm. a very specific cave in Black and White Two. He's got to be in this one cave for him to evolve. Uh, he's got to level up in that cave. In a special magnetic field. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, uh, another thing that I did, which is something that I know we've talked about before on the Casual Hour. I think I've mentioned before on previous Pokemon episodes. Um, I think naming Pokemon is, is lame. One of, is lame, but also maybe one of the worst sins you can possibly uh, perform. Yeah, in life, I, I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> um, I'm I'm never about that life. I I think that's I think it's wrong, and I think it's doubly wrong to then trade a Pokemon that you have named. Because then the new trainer has no recourse in yeah. naming it back to you're just a bad that's person. Not stupid, you're right. And um, the Pokemon knows what it wants to be called. <laughs> it's calling out its own name. goddammit. it! Yes. Like, <laughs> um, so I, I've usually been vehemently against naming your Pokemon, um, but I, I do think at the very least, if you name a Pokemon, you have to keep it. Like that's just that's the rule. That's the rule. That, you have to live with your choice. Um, so I plan on keeping all these Pokemon, but I decided, you know what? Since this is such a throwaway experience, I'm not going to go through the hassle of uh, linking these up and transferring them over and transporting them and banking them and Pokemon homing them at this point. Um, fuck that! I've I already have so many copies of these Pokemon. Um, these mean nothing. Some shiny, some not, whatever. Yeah, these these really mean nothing. Let's let's name them and have some fun. That's also kind of part of the Nuzlocke rule is that you're supposed to name your Pokemon so you get a little bit more attachment to them because in a Nuzlocke run, run when they die, you or when they faint, I'm sorry, you have to release them. So it's like they die. So you, you it really tries to play up the emotion aspect of that. Again, I wasn't releasing my Pokemon. I wasn't doing a true Nuzlocke run. That just run. makes you a shitty person. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, you fainted. But I did Get the fuck out of here. Exactly. Yes. 
but I did decide, <laughs> you know what, I I will end up naming my Pokemon and just see how it feels. Just let's let's dip in a toe mm-hmm. and see how it feels. And I have to say, I have four here for you to, I, to share. I don't I don't actually mind. Yeah, we'll we'll share our teams. I I think after playing this, playing it this way. I did grow a certain amount of attachment to these Pokemon that I haven't had for previous Pokemon that I've owned. Um, Naming them did give me some kind of emotional connection. I still wouldn't wish it on anyone. I would never trade these Pokemon. uh, And for a first time of a Pokemon game, if I had brand new Pokemon, I still would want to keep their their regular species name instead of mm-hmm. giving them a, a nickname but in this instance i thought this was okay i think if i go back and play other older pokemon games i might continue doing this because there is a certain amount of fun to to having a pokemon with a name I'll, i'm softening my stance a little bit okay but again, I will never soften on the stance that if you name a Pokemon, you have to keep it. I have a yeah. I have a shiny fucking Abra that's named Arceus in all caps that's double spaced between each letter, and it's the fucking worst. And I what? got it from I got it from a wonder trade. Just somebody wonder trade me traded me a shiny Abra, which is one of my favorite Pokemon awesome i'm so excited and it's got a dumb ass name of a different pokemon and it sucks it sucks so much i hate it i'm so it's it's so sad it's so incredibly sad anyway let's talk about the pokemon that we have um johnny why don't you go first you said you had four on your team I do. yeah tell, tell me what you, you know, got they're all really stupid great um, i have an azaril that i named blue balls Okay. I have uh, a Riolu, I named Punchy Joe. All right. Uh, I have a Psyduck, I named it Big Bill. I like that. That's and good. And I have a, uh, a um, Magnemite. God, <laughs> I named Magneto. All right. Very cool. Um, I took a slightly different route uh with with mine uh for some i was kind of just naming them normally i i started out i did get a a catch an azuril i just named it blue blu um and and more more mature than i guess he i guess he vapes Uh, um but so i i did have a couple of more generic things uh that magnemite i had i named marbles which i i really liked until he until he got into a magnezone and now he's no longer a, a group of balls so he marbles doesn't really make any sense anymore I mean, uh, but he's, you know he's he's you know, still he's marbles to me marbly. Uh, I had a crocodile that I named Xander I don't I don't know why I just liked it um, I caught a star you star you I, I I scouted out this fucking star you <laughs> it's like I need one I needed a water Pokemon because uh, Azuril uh, was garbage. He he was doing nothing. He got no good moves. Uh, he was my HM slave for a bit. I gave him uh, surf and and strength and all that. But once I had a Pokemon that could surf, then the world was my oyster, and I could catch all the water Pokemon that I wanted to. And there are a lot of routes that are just water, so I had some safety on finding a water Pokemon. 
and I got extremely... I, I wouldn't even say lucky, because Staryu is a pretty common Pokemon in some of these routes, but I caught a Staryu. And Staryu was my ability to have um, some Psychic and mm -hmm. some Water on my team, something that was really reliable with both. And I named that Staryu Sirius after the, the star, because he's a star, because I'm clever. I like I guess. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so Starmie really became one of my uh, standouts on the team. Uh, I gave him, I gave him a very traditional set that I use with with Starmies that I've had of Surf, Thunderbolt, Ice Beam, and Psychic. He was he was just my special attacker, and he he could kill a lot of shit. I really liked him. Um, and then after that, I. Um, I've talked about this on the show before, I'm sure. Uh, and Johnny, you're quite familiar, but I've been watching a, a certain animated series mm -hmm. or a, a number of animated series from our, our friends in Japan. Um, it's called Mobile Suit Gundam. Right. And, and there are a lot of characters with unique names there. And, uh, and I liked some of those unique names, and I brought them over and named some of my Pokemon after some of these, uh, some oh of these characters. Um, so I had a Heracross, which I got extremely lucky to catch uh, pretty early in the game. Uh, he was, uh, sorry, she, she was a, a very rare, uh, rare spawn in this area. And uh, bug fighting seemed like a pretty cool thing. I'd never really used a Heracross before. I don't think I have either. I and really I... liked Heracross in the anime, though. Yeah, totally. So I was like, you know, I like Heracross. Let's let's give this one a shot. And I named her Mineva, uh, which is, of course, uh, named after Mineva Zabi, who is the uh, the heir to the Zabi family. Uh, she she plays a prominent role in uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Unicorn. Uh, and then some uh, smaller role in some previous Gundam series. But I, I, you know all that, of course. I do, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm well acquainted. Um, and then I, I had some other Pokemon as well, but I went back to an area that I hadn't been to before. Uh, there's, a, there's a sewer that you go to relatively early in the game, and there's uh, a bunch of Zubats and, and Grimers there. But if you take... A path. Once you've kind of completed this area, there's a path that goes up to the top of a of a building, and at the top of that building, there's a five percent chance for you to be able to encounter an Eevee, and there's a, a big chance to catch this other Pokemon called Cottony, uh, a grass Pokemon that I already had a copy of because uh, I had found it somewhere else. So uh, there were got there came to be a time where i was really hurting for something that had fire i had no fire pokemon whatsoever and i thought yeah, i could really use a fire pokemon need a fire pokemon and was just having the worst luck and was just kind of looking up some of the routes and thinking you know where can i find something that has fire and i realized there's this eevee that is basically mine to catch it was really the only other thing i could get from this from this top of this building that's in this one section and so I went up there, I found my Eevee, I caught it, I immediately turned it into a Flareon, and I named it Char, which, one, haha, because it's mm -hmm. a fire Pokemon named Char, uh, but it's also named after Char Aznable from, again, Mobile Suit Gundam. So, um, so <laughs> you know, it's it's a double play, and I was really, really pretty. Were you pretty pleased with yourself with that one? I was very pleased with myself on that one. 
Uh, and then the last one that I had, which uh, was actually a very late edition, it was on Victory Road, in fact, um, I encountered an Altaria, which uh, is a very rare Pokemon. It's a, it's a dragon type. It's the one that's like a big cloud, looks like a bird coming out of a cloud. You know what an Altaria is. Don't yeah. look at me like that. Yeah, yeah, you know what an Altaria is. Um, so I caught an Altaria, which, again, pretty rare. Um, I, I had the choice very early on to have a Trap Inch, which would have turned into a Flygon. Uh, and I love Flygon. Flygon's one of my favorite Pokemon ever, and it would be nice to have a Dragon in my team. But I also thought, you know, I use Flygon all the time. I love Flygon. Let's try something different. So I, I went without one of my favorite Pokemon, even though I could have used it. Uh, but at the end, I ran into this Altaria and thought, well, having a dragon is probably pretty helpful, so I'm going to take this one. And I named it... Um, this This is the weirdest name, Johnny, because it doesn't, it doesn't quite make sense. It's something I haven't been able to really wrap my head around in the Gundam uh, series. But it's pronounced uh, Puru, but it's, it's spelled P-L-E. Which is not, which is not how you pronounce Puru, um, but I think it's more of a Japanese pronunciation since they have trouble with L's. I don't understand. I still don't understand how it's named Puru, um, but that's what it's named. So my Altaria is named Puru. And, I like uh, that. He and he's very good. He was he was maybe my MVP because. Um, let, let's just kind of get into the end here because I don't really care to talk about the rest of this game. Okay. Um, the Elite Four is basically unchanged from black and white. Um, but I think the I think it's generally a pretty cool final ending area. Um, they had because this is in black and white, they gave you the options of which Elite Four member you fought first. Uh, in, in fact, they gave you the choice on whatever order you wanted to fight them in. They had four different stairways, and you could go into those different little arenas and battle them however you wished, and you could even check out which type they were before you even fought them. So that's cool. It's not, it's not springing Lorelei on you in the, in the first fight, and she's got ice, and now you have to totally change the way you, you have your Pokemon set up, and then... Uh, you barely get past her, and then you try to figure out who the next one is, and, oh, he's got rock and fighting types. and So this way they just tell you. It's like, do you want to fight the one who's got psychic Pokemon, dark Pokemon, ghost Pokemon, or fighting Pokemon? Uh, I think I think those four are pretty lame because they, they are all in kind of a similar cycle from each mm -hmm. other, and... Uh, it just feels like there's a lot of overlap, and there's also a lot of, of dual types in there that really fuck you over, uh, especially that Scrafty that's dark and fighting. It really sucks. God, I hate fighting Scrafties. They're the worst. <laughs> um, he's, he's dark and fighting. He has to pull up his pants all the time. He's got high jump kick that he uses. Johnny... You know, oh, you fuck know him. These, yeah, you know these Pokemon. Yeah. Um, he, he sucks to fight against every time I fight him. Um, because if you try to use Psychic, it doesn't work because he's dark. If you try to fly, he'll use High Jump Kick and just kick you out of the air. It, he sucks. He sucks so much. Anyway, uh, 
in this instance, I got through the Elite Four with pretty much no problem. They're all in the the mid to high fifties. Yeah, I believe. you texted me after right after this, I think. And mm-hmm. was that one of the more disappointing things about this game? Was just I think how so. Easily... I mean, because the rest of the game is such a slog. The the rest of the game, it, it feels like you're going from place to place. It makes you it makes you really globetrot and backtrack and and do a bunch of boring stuff. And then you get to the end, and it just kind of goes, yeah, whatever, you, you win. Because <laughs> this Elite Four was so easy. And I, I looked it up just because I wanted to know. Like, these guys were so easy. I beat them on my first try. I beat the champion on my first try. Um, and, and then the game was essentially over there is a pretty extensive post game uh to this to to black and white 2 that i didn't play because i was already so frustrated with it um but the the pokemon here for the elite four are actually a little bit higher in level than the ones in black and white and i was surprised that what's happening here and i think what's what's happening is that because the game is so much of a slog it takes a long time a longer time to get to the elite four your Pokemon are probably, they have more opportunities to gain more levels, even if it's in a very slow manner. Um, <laughs> but they, they'll probably be higher level by the time they get to the Elite Four, which made the Elite Four relatively no problem. Uh, so I got through all four of those, and there is one difference with the Elite Four, and that's the champion. Uh, it used to be Alder, a uh, guy who's got orange hair you probably met him in that first island he uh he's has like Mm -hmm. runs like a training school now um you don't (laughs) a weird thing you don't actually fight him in when in your first playthrough of black and white because in takes over the pokemon league and uh he beats alder so he's the champion and he's who you have to beat to finish the game and then you have to go through the post-game stuff and beat the Elite Four again with higher-leveled Pokemon that are all in, like, their 70s. And then you finally face Alder, who I guess gets his championship back because In fucks off and does whatever In does. So he kind of just default comes back and becomes the champion again. So then you finally fight Alder and you see what his Pokemon are. Uh, in this in this game, there's no... There's no more conflict. You fight Getsus earlier. You take care of the the fused Curum and, in my case, Curum and Zekrom mm-hmm. um, mashup, and then the the conflict is pretty much over. You just go to the Elite Four. You beat the Elite Four, and now the champion is a, a little girl named Iris, uh, or Iris, I guess. And uh, she, depending on which game you played, if you played white. I think if you played white, she was a gym leader. Uh, she was the last gym leader, okay. the dragon gym leader. If you played black, there was another guy who might be like her uncle or something, and he was the gym leader instead for, for the dragon gym. They both use dragons. Um, and in this, in these games, he's always the dragon gym leader, and then she's the champion. And even though she's the champion and is supposed to have a pretty balanced team like champions do... Most of her most of her Pokemon are just are just dragons. Uh, hmm. She's got she's got a couple different ones. She's got like an Agron, so that there's some steel and rock in there, even though he's dragon like. Um, but the rest of them are pretty much just all dragons. Which my Altaria and my Starmie with Ice Beam 
just fucked right up (laughs) (laughs) and made it real easy like it it was it was ridiculous how easy that was and it it really i mean i guess i'm glad that it ended because i wanted it to end Mm -hmm. but at the same time after a game full of disappointment to just go out yeah to go out on a whimper like that was it just took the it took whatever wind was left in my sails and just blew it away it was it was so disappointing johnny i think this is my least favorite pokemon game ever I played far less than you did, um, but I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah, at I, least from at least from a mainline perspective, there there are yeah, definitely other Pokemon uh, games I don't yeah. like. I'm, I'm sure there are other like sideline Pokemon games that are far worse than this. But yeah, yeah, I just I I don't know the the disappointment for me comes from having a Pokemon game I'd never played before, a mainline one. And having it be so disappointing. Yeah. Because, I mean, I guess technically I had played Fire Red before in Gen 1, but still, I never played that version of that game before, and I was not let down in the slightest by it. Um, so, I guess, yeah, just, just going back to something that you expect to be good, or at least enjoyable, and to have it just not feel right... Because like it, it's very nebulous to yeah. me. Like I can't. If you ask me to sit down and write out a review of this game and tell you why I didn't like it, I'd have a hard time putting it into words. Right. I, I did make a note here. Uh, it's just. It's not even a paragraph. It's really just a couple sentences. Um, you know, this game was mostly a bummer for me. Uh, for me, from start to finish, it's slow in plotting. The time skip I feel is pretty underbaked. And so much of the world just feels cordoned off for you for far too long. Mm-hmm. And even even when things open up, it's more like a Metroidvania game in in a in a way because there are places revisiting old areas. Yes, but it's also you have to remember that those areas are there. It's I I'm on a route and I see that there's. Uh, not just water. Like, water's pretty easy for me to remember. Oh, there was mm-hmm. water on that route. I bet when I have surf, I can do this. Uh, but there were so many things where I just didn't have the right HM or didn't have the right thing and and needed to remember that, oh, that's where I need to go after I find this. Some of that stuff was side stuff, but other stuff was the main game where I, I'm not allowed to go through this area because there's just a group of kids playing there. But unlike other Pokemon games, going back to Red and Blue, where you can't get into Saffron City, there was a pretty clear, here's why you can't get in there, because they're thirsty. Here's what you can do. You can find this lemonade. You can give it to them, and now you're fine. Yeah. And with this, you, there's no, you get no answer. You get, no, you get nothing to be able to move those kids. It's just you get far enough in the game where the kids leave. And then they say, hey, you should go check out that city now. And now the route's open. And and some of that stuff just feels pretty lame. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel like locks and keys. And I'm not finding the key to be able to unlock these areas. They just happen. They just happen around me. And I'm supposed to remember to go to these places or 
I need to remember to talk to the one person in here who can actually give me decent directions on where to go next. I think it's really easy to get lost in in black and white too, just because there's so many different routes available to you at any one time, and so few of them actually lead to somewhere that is useful to you at any one time. And that's it's it just makes for a really slow and plotting game. You know, uh, at the top of the episode, you talked about the B team. Mm-hmm. You know, cutting their teeth a little bit. Like, is this is this like the um, like uh, I guess what you'd say a double A Pokemon game? Hmm. Yeah, I I guess I can see that. Yeah, I there, there's definitely something here that isn't quite up to snuff. It's, it's definitely Pokemon. It's just not as Pokemon. <laughs> right. It's a, it a it's a facsimile of the kind of Pokemon that we are used to. Yeah. And uh, just some of it's not quite there. What's interesting is I I went back and I looked at, you know, what the critical reception was to this and it was it was very high. It was what it was well praised at the time. Um sure. IGN gave it a 9.6. And that's that's much too high. <laughs> I mean, IGN sometimes doles out a little bit higher scores than mm. maybe they should for stuff. Um, but I mean, it has an 80 on Metacritic and like I saw several nines and a bunch of eights. And I think part of it is there's just, there's a lot of game there. And if at the time you were looking for a game that you can play for a lot of hours, this game is that it has so many things to do in it. It's, it has, uh, like I said, it has an extensive post game. In fact, one of the things that bugs me as a person who's just trying to beat the game once and be able to do a podcast on it is one of the best TMs ever, Earthquake, is locked behind the post game. You don't even get one of the best moves in the game until that's, after the game is relatively over. You really don't you don't stupid. even catch the legendary dragon. You don't even catch the thing that's on the fucking box until the post game. You don't even get an opportunity for it. It's the first Pokemon game, and potentially the only one. Oh, wait, Sword and Shield does that. Sword and Shield, you, you don't actually get the thing on the box until you've already beaten the game. Um, yeah. But but this game was the first one to go like, hey, you see this, you see this Pokemon? You don't get it. <laughs> you don't get it for a long-ass time, and that sucks. It really, really sucks. It's, uh, it's, it's rough. But, you know, these these actually, I think when you go back to the sales numbers, I don't have the exact sales numbers in front of me. Um, these aren't the best-selling Pokemon games. They, they're they actually pretty low down the list of, of Pokemon games and how they sold. And I think a lot of that had to do with the 3DS. But even so, I know that they were still the seventh highest grossing games of 2012. Uh, and they beat out some 3ds games that i wouldn't call standouts um but they did at least beat out a, a game like new super mario brothers 2 which Man. is not a fantastic game mm. but it is a very well-known game in that it is mario brothers and it was the first uh this yeah did new super mario brothers 2 came up come out before super mario 3d land i think it did think so maybe it didn't 
anyway, um, so, I mean, they, they did sell well. They outsold a game like New Super Mario Bros. 2, so that's, so that's something. Like we mentioned, we had Fire Emblem and Animal Crossing coming out the next year, um, so it really was, this really was one of the last DS games, uh, at least one of the last big, big DS games from a Nintendo perspective. 3D Land came after, before <clears throat> uh, New Super Mario Bros. 2. Okay. Interesting. So yeah, so that game was already out, uh, and and that would have been a real reason why people probably weren't going back to their DSs to play a game like Black and White Two. They had other stuff to play at this point. Um, but you know what's what's interesting to me, Johnny? Um, not only are these I don't consider these to be very good Pokemon games. They weren't even the best Pokemon games to come out that year. Oh, which is which is surprising. Twist. Um, I believe I've done an episode on this game before. I think I did it with my with my friend uh, Tyler Fromm. Um, Pokemon Conquest came out for the DS in 2012, and I know that you have not played Pokemon Conquest, and you should have. fix that. Pokemon Conquest is a turn based strategy game that mixes. Nobunaga's ambition or mixes uh, you know Japanese warlords with Pokemon. Is this Dynasty Warriors with Pokemon? No, it is not. One because Dynasty Warriors is China and Nobunaga is Japanese. <laughs> uh, but also two, uh, it's it's a, a turn-based strategy game. It's it's more like right. Final oh, Fantasy yeah. Tactics. Yeah, I I know what I, you meant. I, yeah. I know what you meant. You piece of shit. <laughs> but no, um, yeah. it's it's super fun. It's really cool. Each of the each of the warlords has uh, their own Pokemon that they use, and you can okay. recruit warlords no. and their Pokemon. These in your guys game. are the real monsters. It's using it's Pokemon a cool to fight their wars. <laughs> yes, obviously they have not heard the gospel of Team Plasma about how Pokemon should be free. Um, but if you want to play a good Pokemon game that came out in 2012 for the wow. DS, don't don't play Pokemon Black and White 2. Play Pokemon Conquest instead. That game this was fun. Wild. It is wild. It's cool. I, I'm I almost positive I've done an episode. I'm almost positive I've done an episode on this before. You can borrow my copy if you'd like. It's it's a cool game. Hmm. It's a pretty cool game. All right, Johnny. I think I think we're gonna call it here. Okay. Um, these games aren't great. Don't don't go back and play them. Um, but what you should do is play Pokemon X and Y because I remember loving those games and I cannot wait uh, to, to have a reason to go back and, and play those, which I do now, which is that is chronologically the next Pokemon game that I need to talk about on Gamers on the Go. So whenever I do that, it won't be anytime soon. I'm a little, I'm a little Pokemoned out right now after playing Black and White 2. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I am excited. Uh, someday I will come back and I will do X and Y and it'll be fun. And who knows? Maybe you'll be here. Maybe, maybe it'll be you. Maybe it'll be Bobby. Maybe it'll be maybe all three of us. Uh, sure. Why not? That'd be fun. That'd be that, that's a great idea. Let's uh, let's consider potentially doing that. Um, Johnny, uh, like I mentioned at the top of the show, we do mm-hmm. a different podcast called do. The Casual Hour. Why don't you tell the folks a little bit more about that show and where they can find it? Uh, you can find it at the Casual Hour on the social media. Uh, if mm-hmm. you just search for the Casual Hour on any 
podcasting platform that you like to use to listen to podcasts, you can find us there. Uh, we are hosted by Anchor, so you can find us mm-hmm. on the Anchor app. Uh, and we are a podcast, as the name implies, where we have not very casual conversations about video games um, <laughs> once a week. We talk about the games we've played. Uh, we have special feature episodes uh, where we talk about the games that are coming out the following month. We have deep dives. It's something we've been at for about four years now. Off yeah, and on. Has it really been that long? Mm-hmm. It's 2016. Damn. Right around E3. Oh, E3. Yeah, that's also going to be If that happens this year. Maybe. Hasn't yet. <laughs> hey. Who knows? Coronavirus um, or the heat death of the universe? <laughs> Whichever one. Well, well, coronavirus or everybody's lack of trust in the ESA. One of those things is going to kill E3 this year. Who knows? <laughs> it's a race. Maybe both. It's a race to figure out which. Um, but yes, uh, so yeah, you can go listen to the casual hour if you'd like. Um, we, there's more of us talking about games, more of us bitching about games. If you like the way we bitch about Pokemon Black and White 2, you'll yeah, love just... the way we bitch about everything else. <laughs> um, that's a great, uh, and then as for this show, uh, I know it's been a while since my last episode, but uh, it won't be that long for my next episode because uh, it's only going to be a couple of days. Uh, actually, now that the clock has struck midnight, uh, it's going to be one day away from when I'm going to record my next episode with uh, with my most prolific guest, Matt Jaguer. He's going to come back on, and we're going to talk about PAX East 2020. Um, and because he was at the show, he's from the Boston area, so he was able to go to the show. Yeah, I was really curious to hear how that went. I'm curious as well, and I not, know very little. I know how it went for developers and people but like the people actually running the show very interested to hear about that yeah so i'm excited to get matt on and see how he uh how how much fun he had as a as an audience member of that show and and what he saw and what he played and what handheld games were around so we'll uh we'll get him on very soon here and have that episode as well so if you're listening to this there's probably another episode either out or well on its way uh, but Johnny, I want to thank you for coming on and, for uh, and talking about this bummer ass video game with me. <laughs> uh, fingers crossed that the next episode we do will be on something much Enjoy. more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, thank you all for listening. I'll talk to you soon. This has been Gamers on the Go, and have a great night.